Chapter 19, The Witch's Broom. The wind was much stronger now, not full force yet. No, it was still a long way from the fury that every man on the Jolly Roger could see was coming. But it was strong enough to make the rigging shriek, strong enough to rip the hat for Black Sash's head and send it tumbling across the aft deck, with Shmee's blubbering body scuttling after it. Stash seemed not to notice. As the gusts tossed his long, greasy curls, he stared back toward the storm. Dwindling rapidly astern was the sea devil, barely a speck now. Manned by the sailors, he'd thrown off his new ship. When the Jolly Roger had cast them off, they'd been frantically trying to jury-rig the sails from whatever scraps of canvas they could find, hoping desperately to somehow outrun the black, boiling clouds bearing down on them. No, not bloody likely they'll make it, thought Stash. It'll be dicey enough for us. The last of the Jolly Roger's sails had just gone up, full and billowing masts. The mast groaned and the rigging creaked as the sleek ship, propelled by the mighty following wind, surged forward, sliding down the face of a great wave, then climbing the next. Stash grabbed a stout line to keep his balance and looked at the rigging, a rare expression of respect on his face. He was feeling more confident now. She's a fine ship, this one, he roared to the helmsman. Have you ever seen such speed? The helmsman could only nod. Even with his massive arms, he had to fight the wheel with all his strength to hold the course. Schmied clutched Stash's hat, staggering back across the sloping deck, casting a worried look at the storm. Most of the sky was black. It was daytime, but the pirates below were using lanterns. Can we outrun it, Captain? Shmi asked, clutching the captain's hat as if it were a baby blanket. Outrun that? <clears throat> no, Shmi, she's a witch of a storm, and this here, he waved at the wind, is her broom. She flies too fast for us, Shmi. She'll be on us in a few hours. We'll be reefing every sail we got and dragging sea anchors before this one's through with us. But before that happens, we'll ride the witch's broom ourselves, me. We'll fly straight to the Neverland. She's out there, and we need to reach her before the witch herself does. Stash looked again at the sails, then turned to Helmsman. I think we can coax another knot or two out of her. Let's put her on a broad reach, eh? The Helmsman knew better than to question an order from Black Stash, but shot him a glance. Putting the ship at a sharper angle to the wind would indeed increase their speed, but in its ferocious gale, it would also cause the ship to heel steeply and put a massive strain on the sails, sails, masts, and rigging. Catching the helmsman look, Stash bellowed, Do it, man! The helmsman heaved on the wheel. The black ship turned slowly, groaning, and heeled hard to starboard. The crew gabbed for handholds as water crashed over the decks. Haul in them sails, bellowed Stash. Give me more speed! Despite the fearsome angle of the deck, crewmen clambered to the winches and, working furiously, managed to take in a few more feet on the sheets, which were taut as piano wires from the massive strain of holding the sails. As the ship gained even more speed, the starboard rail went under, and from below the crashing sound of unsecured cargo tumbled into the side of the holds. Shmee, bellowed Blackstash. I Captain answered me, who was clinging to the mast, his chubby arms wrapped around it, holding the captain's hat in front. Are the uniforms ready? Aye, Captain. Stash had ordered all the Wasp crewmen, including Captain Scott, stripped of their naval uniforms. They'd been left in their long johns. Good. Get below and have the men come down one at a time to change into their uniforms. When those edges on the Leverland sees Her Majesty's fine ship coming that way, we'll want them to see fine British seamen on deck coming to their rescue. Aye, Captain, said Shmee, grateful for the chance to get out of the weather. He released the mast and lunged for a ladder way, staggering two steps before falling belly first on Stash's hat. I'm all right, he called, crawling the rest of the way to the ladder. I'm all right. Ignoring him, Stash turned to the helmsman. 
who was straining every muscle to keep the ship steady. Leaning close to the man's ear, Stash said, A gold piece to you, lad, if we reach the Neverland before the full weight of the storm reaches us. The helmsman glanced back at the rolling waves and pushing wind, then up at the straining sails, then forward into the stinging sea salt spray. We'll do it, Captain, he said, if these sails will hold. Stash grinned a wide yellow grin. The ship groaned as it rose to the top of a giant swell, then seemed to fly down the other side. The masts bowed and looked as if they might snap. At that moment, sheets of rain poured from the sky, soaking both men and beating the ocean into a furious froth. Stash, his long, wet locks streaming rainwater, tossed his head back and laughed. He hadn't had this much fun in years. Chapter 25 a fly in a spider web. Blackstash's plan was going perfectly. The crew of the Neverland had shown no sign of alarm as the disguised pirate ship came alongside. While the pirates were approaching, they heard some kind of commotion, shouting, then screams, coming from the deck of the Neverland. But whatever it was, it had not caused the old freighter to change course. Now the two ships were side by side. Sails had been lowered, lines tossed to secure the ships together, fenders positioned to keep the holes, which had slammed into each other from colliding again. Stash kept his face hidden behind a mast, though he knew his ruse would not fool the Neverland sailors much longer. They're bound to notice that my entire crew is barefoot. Stash had a single-shot flintlock pistol in his right hand held to his side out of sight. He liked the idea of a bloodless coup with no sword soiled. The sight of pirates generally put such fear into merchant soldiers or sailors that they often surrendered immediately. He waited, relying on Shmee to be his eyes. From the corner of his mouth, Shmee said, They's tied up to us now, Captain, like a fly in a spider web. How many on deck, said Stash. A dozen or, crew, or so crew, a few passengers, including some children. Armed? The children? No, you idiot, the crew. A few knives, a pistol or two. Our crew? Ready and itching to go. The pirates had gathered along the rail, their blades concealed in their uniforms. Good. Now call for the captain. Ahoy there, Neverland! Shouted to me. Who's in charge? There is uh, in charge. There is it. He knew he didn't have the right r- ring to it, but there was no taking it back. That would be me. A deep voice thundered back. The owner of the voice, a big man, stepped to the rail. Shmi saw the man's arm was bleeding. Are you the captain, then, mate? Shmi said. The captain is. Indisposed. I'm the first mate, sl- first mate, Slank. Is that Captain Scott? No, I, no, uh, I, I mean, yes, but I mean, you idiot, hissed Stash. Slank, suddenly suspicious, scanned the hard, unshaven faces of the men lining the rail of the dark ship, then glanced down and, un- and noticed the bare feet. Cut the lines, he bellowed, cut the lines! But before the crew could act, Black Stash was out from behind the mast. Now, he roared, and before the sound had died from their, his lips, two dozen pirates had drawn their blades, leaped onto the deck of the Neverland, whose crewmen froze in terror. Stash, moving calmly, deliberately, followed his men over to the Neverland deck. He sauntered up to Slank and pointed his pistol directly into his face. Mr. Slank, it, is it? Black Stash, at your service. Some Neverland crew whimpered at the name. Slank, on the other hand, stared coolly at Black Stash for a moment. Then, in a reaction that Stash found odd, turned and looked back over his shoulder toward a young girl who was standing by the far rail, sobbing as a huge man held her arms, as if keeping her from jumping over the side. 
Slang turned back to Stash, again meeting his eyes. Stash was impressed by how little fear the man showed. I might have room for men like that, he thought. But what he said was, if you want to keep breathing, Mr. Slank, you'll tell your men to disarm. Not taking away, er, his eyes away from, Slank, er, from Stash's, Slank shouted to his crew, Put him down, men. The relieved Neverland sailors, who had no intention of trading steel with pirates, hastily dropped their weapons to the deck. Very good, Stash said, stepping closer to Slank. His pistol barrel now almost touching the space between Slank's eyes. Now, we ain't got much time with this storm, so I'll make it quick. You have something that I want. Where is it? Slank took a moment to answer. Again, Stash was impressed by the man's calm in, calm in the face of a loaded pistol. We have a few women and plenty of rum, but if, that, if you think there's treasure on this old scow, I'm afraid you'll be disappointed. Stash's finger tightened slightly on the trigger. Then he eased off. Was Slank bluffing? Or could it be that he didn't know what he had on the ship? Stash thought about it for a moment, then decided that, for now, Slank was more useful alive than dead. Mr. Slank, if I don't have what I'm looking for, it's you who will be sorry. Now step aside. Stash turned to a knot of pirates nearby, raising his voice over the wind. Men, you come with me. We're looking for a trunk. Chapter 25. A Fly in a Spiderweb Blackstash's plan was going perfectly. The crew of the Neverland had shown no sign of alarm as the disguised pirate ship came alongside. While the pirates were approaching, they heard some kind of commotion, shouting, then screams, coming from the deck of the Neverland. But whatever it was, it had not caused the old freighter to change course. Now the two ships were side by side. Sails had been lowered, lines tossed to secure the ships together, fenders positioned to keep the holes, which had slammed into each other from colliding again. Stash kept his face hidden behind a mast, though he knew his ruse would not fool the Neverland sailors much longer. They're bound to notice that my entire crew is barefoot. Stash had a single-shot flintlock pistol in his right hand held to his side out of sight. He liked the idea of a bloodless coup with no sword soiled. The sight of pirates generally put such fear into merchant soldiers or sailors that they often surrendered immediately. He waited, relying on Shmee to be his eyes. From the corner of his mouth, Shmee said, They's tied up to us now, Captain, like a fly in a spider web. How many on deck? said Stash. A dozen or crew or so crew, a few passengers, including some children. Armed? The children? No, you idiot, the crew. A few knives, a pistol or two. Our crew? Ready and itching to go. The pirates had gathered along the rail, their blades concealed in their uniforms. Good. Now call for the captain. Ahoy there, Neverland shouted Smee. Who's in charge there is uh, in charge there, is it? He knew he didn't have the right r- ring to it, but there was no taking it back. That would be me, a deep voice thundered back. The owner of the voice, a big man, stepped to the rail. Shmee saw the man's arm was bleeding. Are you the captain then, mate? Shmee said. The captain is indisposed. I'm the first mate, sl- first mate Slank. Is that Captain Scott? No, I, no, uh, I, I mean, yes, but I mean, you idiot, hissed Stash. Slank, suddenly suspicious, scanned the hard, unshaven faces of the men lining the rail of the dark ship, then glanced down and, un- and noticed the bare feet. Cut the lines, he bellowed, cut the lines! But before the crew could act, Black Stash was out from behind the mast. Now, he roared, and before the sound had died from their- his lips, 
Two dozen pirates had drawn their blades, leaped onto the deck of the Neverland, whose crewmen froze in terror. Stash, moving calmly, deliberately, followed his men over to the Neverland deck. He sauntered up to Slank and pointed his pistol directly into his face. Mr. Slank, is it? Blackstash, at your service. Some Neverland crew whimpered at the name. Slank, on the other hand, stared coolly at Blackstash for a moment. Then, in a reaction that Stash found odd, turned and looked back over his shoulder toward a young girl who was standing by the far rail, sobbing as a huge man held her arms, as if keeping her from jumping over the side. Slank turned back to Stash, again meeting his eyes. Stash was impressed by how little fear the man showed. I might have room for men like that, he thought. But what he said was, if you want to keep breathing, Mr. Slank, you'll tell your men to disarm. Not taking away or his eyes away from Slank or from Stashes, Slank shouted to his crew, "Put him down, men!" The relieved Neverland sailors, who had no intention of trading steel with pirates, hastily dropped their weapons to the deck. "Very good," Stash said, stepping closer to Slank, his pistol barrel now almost touching the space between Slank's eyes. "Now we ain't got much time with this storm, so I'll make it quick. You have something that I want. Where is it?" Slank took a moment to answer. Again, Stash was impressed by the man's calm in, calm in the face of a loaded pistol. We have a few women and plenty of rum, but if, that, if you think there's treasure on this old scow, I'm afraid you'll be disappointed. Stash's finger tightened slightly on the trigger. Then he eased off. Was Slank bluffing? Or could it be that he didn't know what he had on the ship? Stash thought about it for a moment, then decided that, for now, Slank was more useful alive than dead. Mr. Slank, if I don't have what I'm looking for, it's you who will be sorry. Now step aside. Stash turned to a knot of pirates nearby, raising his voice over the wind. Men, you come with me. We're looking for a trunk.